Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's movies are heavy traffic and cool world. That was before Brad Pitt was famous, wasn't it? That was Brad Pitt, wasn't it? For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. You, uh, so you hit, like, start call. You don't get to choose anymore if it's a, um, like a video call or just audio. Uh, until after you hit it. You hit it, you hit start call. And then you'll go into another screen that's, that's like, do you want to turn the camera on? Do you want to turn the microphone on? Oh, that's that's interesting. That means they made it like uh, Microsoft Teams. So then you do that, and it sends you into the call room. Yeah. Uh, but then it hasn't officially called anybody yet. There's a button that says, ring others in the group. And then you hit that, and it calls you too. It's so weird. The, the, it does sound like they are setting it up to be more like Teams, though. Yeah, well, I mean, Microsoft owns it, so it's not surprising. Yeah, I mean, why would you have two products out there and then have them be different from one another? Yeah. <sighs> That's why you don't change things. Remember the good old days when they used to always make it so, like, when changes happened, you had a choice? Like, they'd be like, you want this new version or you want to stick it the way it was? <laughs> Yeah, they realized they needed to stop doing that. Well, I think they, what they realized is everybody just wanted things left the way it was. And they're like, well, that's not what we want. Yeah. Fuck it. Change well, it. And, Don't tell anybody. And Microsoft figured out it was absolutely impossible to, like, support 25 different softwares at the same time. Which well, was maybe they should just... failures. Yeah. Don't use logic and reasoning. We're trying to bitch you a big tech. Oh, no. They're, they're evil douchebags. Yeah. <sighs> That part was never up for debate, I don't think. Yeah. I'm just I'm just saying that with within their evil douchebaggery, occasionally there's a legitimate reason for a couple of things. Oh, I don't agree. I have no counterpoint whatsoever. Just choosing not to agree. Oh, that means I lose by default. I think that's how it works. I don't know how it works. How's your week? Fine, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> This is not a fun good. conversation for anyone involved. Everybody should be we're happier. We're, I mean, not not so much for Doug, but we're going into the, the holiday season. Yeah. Yeah. November's especially good. We double up them holidays. See, some of us have to work that day, so. You have two holidays in November? What do you have? Veterans Day and Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. You guys consider Veterans Day? You guys actually get Veterans Day off? Uh, I d- it's a it's it's commonly known as a banking holiday. I see. Okay. 
that means the federal government shuts down that day. And since they shut yeah. down, I can't do any of my job. So we don't work either. Okay. Because I actually do get it off, but I don't know very many other people that do. So uh, I'll have it off, but that's uh, just because I always have Monday off usually. It's just, just a coincidence? Yeah. Then I'll be working on Thanksgiving because I usually work on Thursday nights. So good times. Well, I don't but I think I, I mean, get time. I, I mean, ta- I get I get to spend Veterans Day driving to Chicago and back. Oh yeah. And then Saturday I get to turn around and do it again. Yeah, that's that's good that does sound fun. It's it's not exciting at all. You should just fly. Well, that would be an option if we weren't picking up my autistic stepdaughter who can't ride on there. Yeah, but you could fly up there, and then how do we get back? I don't know. <laughs> you, don't, you haven't thought that through at all, Brian. <laughs> I mean, we could fl- we could fly up there, rent a car, and then drive back. But that seems even less cost effective. Yeah. Well, it's not completely cost effective if somebody drives the car back up because it's a lot cheaper if you drop it off at the same spot where you rented it. So then that person would just have to fly home again. Yeah. I mean, if yeah. if Anna could get on a plane, we could take the puddle jumper from Decatur to Chicago for like. 30 bucks or whatever and that'd be great because she's a no-go for flying she is a no-go for flying she's barely a go for riding in the car yeah she usually does good but you're always at that risk that it you know if she has a meltdown while you're driving she could punch me in the back of the head while i'm on the interstate well that sounds like a fun time yeah she's usually not bad I, she's hit me while i was driving one time and it wasn't that bad she just like punched me in the shoulder and you were like i will fucking turn this shit around right now yeah, that wouldn't do anything but make her mad. <laughs> it was more like calmly going, Anna, don't hit. I just imagine you sitting in the front seat like Chris Farley and Billy Madison. Just like, I'll turn this goddamn thing around. Your face is just turning like beet red. <laughs> I will end you. <laughs> I do like Brian's version more because it is a lot more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's version's all sad and depressing and real. It does sound better. Uh, well, my grandpa turned 90 this weekend, so we had a party. Nice. Oh, told Amanda oh, before he left. I'm like, we're going to see a bunch of people I haven't seen since I was like 10. So get ready for a lot of, oh, I haven't seen you since you were this little and all this stuff. because It's going to happen. Sure enough, it was a yeah. night full of that. <laughs> that was exhausting. My, uh, my grandmother turns 104 next week. Holy and, shit. Uh, my dad was flying out to see her and he is not capable of modern travel. No. So it was like, I had to go over there and he's and like, show I don't understand these newfangled contraptions. Where's the hand crank? No, it's, it's not that part. It's the, the booking it. And then he's like, he's like, they want me to print my own boarding pass from home. Like he, like it's completely inconceivable to him. And I'm like, you click this link and you, push the, the print button which is a print button it's the big button it says print on I mean, it it's <laughs> a, shit now you can just put it on your phone right oh god no he won't he i've tried that because we have like vaccine passports here now too like we're so going into certain establishments you have to prove that you've been vaccinated yeah like a reasonable country it's, it's like a really easy system of like if you go to the website and all you need is like if you have your health card with you that you just, you know, 
tell them your health card and punch in so they know it's you and it prints down like a a pdf with a qr code in it so that the businesses can scan it and you just save that on the desktop of your phone and you have it with you wherever you go and it's so simple and i cannot explain it to my parents i'm like you carry phones anyway so they're pulling pieces of paper out of their wallets to show and i'm like aren't those papers getting really crinkly by now that's not good for a qr code i'm always terrified i I assume that there's always like a kid too i was gonna say i'm always terrified that i'm gonna fuck something up and get stranded so i do both i have it on my phone and i have the printed out pass i don't work yeah i don't i don't my uh, and my printed up copies were destroyed, so I only have the code version. And it's, I always think it's funny. I think one day my dad's going to try to get into a restaurant or something. I'll be a teenager working there, and that kid won't understand how to use a sheet of paper, and my dad won't know how to use the cell phone, and they'll they'll be at an impasse. <laughs> like I don't know, you want me to read what words these, off of paper? How does what that are these work? little you... squiggly bits on here? <laughs> What's this for? To be a tree? Uh... What the fuck? The embarrassing thing is, like, my mom had me real young, so she was, she was like nineteen or something, eighteen, nineteen. So when I was like a teenager, she was like in her thirties, so she was still like, yeah, should have been like, you know, somewhat with it. And I got a CD player, and she looked at my CDs. She was looking at like the top of it, and was like, "How does it play with all this writing on it?" And I was like, "Oh my god, mom." Plays the other side. Oh, I didn't know. It's like you're not Where that much older than me. <laughs> Come on. Where do you put the pencil in to rewind it? Yeah. The other day, my dad called me. I can't believe this still happened. This was in 2021 that this happened. He calls me, and he's like, "There's something wrong with my TV. Can you come over and help me figure it out?" And it's it's because you have to keep the TV itself on channel three in order for the cable to work. <laughs> he had flipped it over to a different channel. Uh, and I'm like, it's 2021. What the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> like you've you've had some form of cable running into this TV since like the mid 80s. You're trying to tell me that you don't know yet that it has to be on channel three. <laughs> that's even kind of a rarity in itself. Usually it's just like an input now. Don't even go through yeah. the channels. Tossed. Hey, does, does oh, my I, microphone still sound all right? Yeah. Okay. You've probably yeah. sounded the best you've sounded in a long time. Yeah. Uh, well, I I'd been tinkering with it and got it into a perfect equilibrium, but then the cat came in here and was fucking with my wires again, so I had to move it. I was worried <laughs> to fuck it back up again. You need to get rid of that cat. Yeah. No, he's adorable. adorable. He has he has stolen his way into my affections. I see the pictures. I understand, but podcasting now. Clo- again, close the door. <laughs> well, ninety percent of the time, the worst thing is, uh, is I end up getting shut back here with him invo- involuntarily. <laughs> so, Charge just had enough. Who's running that house? You or the cat? <laughs> or there's this like, are you both being punished? I was going to say, time? My, is that what's going my on? wife, my wife runs the house. <laughs> yeah, it's whatever she wants. She's like, I'm tired of you, Noah. You go back and sit with the kitten. Yeah, so you, you two know what you did. That is that is that is way closer to the truth than it should be. Uh, I think Doug's going to put you in a timeout after you explain what movies you picked for she's, this week. She's like, I want to watch some Dateline. Go go back to your hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what movies did you pick this week, Noah? 
some more uh, Ralph uh, Bakshi movies. And yes, I know I pronounced his name wrong. Everybody needs to shut the fuck up. <laughs> the fact that you even remember Nobody his cares. name is amazing. Usually you're like, you know, the guy, the animator does the the thing. Well, this the only reason why I remember his name is that I've had to explain who he is about a thousand times in my life. Uh-huh. Uh, so we did Heavy Traffic, which is probably his uh, biggest, not not exactly critical success, but his biggest success. And Cool World, which was kind of his more, his last modern thing that he did. In the 90s. <laughs> he uh, well, actually did something is, for TV a while ago. Is he even still alive? I had no idea. I, I, uh, no, I think he is. Like I said, I think, I think just, I don't know, five years ago or something, he did some project. But I I think it was a short for a TV series or something. All right. Well, uh, why don't you break down Heavy Traffic for us? Uh, so Heavy Traffic is the uh, disillusioned violent daydreams of an inner city youth uh, told partially through pinball metaphor, <laughs> which is a strange, strange, uh, strange sentence to say. He did a, uh, a short called trickle, trickle, dickle down in 2012 and last days of Coney Island in 2015. Okay. So 2015. So yeah. he's still alive. It looks like, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. it these are pretty much short, vignettes that are kind of like describing his work is so difficult. He, he focuses on the, the grotesquerie of the American state in the seventies, if that makes sense. Like he has a really sick sense of humor and he's kind of pointing out how fucked up just everything is. I agree. He also, um, uses this as an excuse to just, draw racist cartoons of okay. every imaginable <laughs> well so that's that's not entirely true and we'll sorry talk, did he miss a race <laughs> well no 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 it's, it's more complicated than that so he's way less racist than he appears to be making these films and that's easier to explain in one of the other movies that I have on the list. That's called Coonskin. So that film, it's it's a lot of the same things, right? It's like a black exploitation cartoon, and mm-hmm. it's got all the same uh, tropes and and drawing styles and stuff. But he hired a huge African American cast. He hired all African American artists and stuff to work on the movie and it's and he's not he's not trying to say this is what like black people are he's saying this is how america views black people does that does that make sense because all he's doing is aping nothing he drew in this cartoon is is worse than what was in Disney cartoons. And that's almost on purpose. Disney cartoons in the 70s, though. Well, all the way up to even the ones in the 60s were pretty bad. I mean, I, I don't have the... Not able to comment specifically on which cartoons came out in which years, but... Yeah, but by like... The time, the, by the time these were being made, by the time Heavy Traffic was coming out, these would have been perceived as racist caricatures of black people, and he knew that. And if he's trying to say what you you are saying, he's trying to say that's fine, but that's not how it comes across. 
I don't know if I 100% agree with that. I think people in the 70s wouldn't look at this as racist caricatures. I think they just would see it as normal. I think you underestimate how racist America is and was. Um, Because when was the... uh, was that? The Fat Albert cartoon. Late 70s, early 80s. So around the same time as this, probably. Yeah. And I feel like like there's there's a lot of... 72, so it would have been right before this movie. Right. I feel like there's a lot of stuff in this movie that obviously is way toned down for kids, but just the way some of the characters and stuff are drawn in, like, the Fat Albert cartoon. Yeah, and the way they're portrayed in their their, uh, accents that I don't... Probably the the racist, awful way people would have used to say it was the shuck and jive accents and stuff. Yeah. In that, I, I don't know. It, it's like I said, it's it's all more complicated than it seems. Like and and Coonskin will have a cooler conversation because that one, whenever it came out, caused like a shitstorm. People were smoke bombing theaters, and Reverend Al Sharpton was protesting the film, even though the NAACP came out and said, "No, this this isn't racist. Pay attention to this movie." <laughs> like. It's really, it's all real interesting. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't speak to Goon Skin because I haven't seen it and I feel uncomfortable saying the name of it. Um, You're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. But, like that having been said, to argue that this film isn't, and it's not just the black characters, by the way, it's the Italian characters, it's the Jewish lady, it's every character in the film is... A racist stereotype now if you're trying to say that there's a message there about how people see these people rather than how they actually are great that didn't come across in the movie to me once again so it's more complicated (laughs) so because he's borrowing he's he's very specifically borrowing artistic styles from other sources so like his depiction of of his racist characters of Jews are specifically stolen from like Nazi esque propagandized cartoons. And his depiction of Italian people are specifically stolen from racist Italian cartoons that were already in existence. They were already being used and they weren't just being used. They were being used in children's cartoons. Okay. That's great on intellectual level. But if you're making a movie that you're going to put in theaters for audiences to show up and watch, that's not going to work. Well, but that's I don't, great. Like, like for discussion in a, get, in a this, discussion this, this in a film class. This, yeah, this film was not made for a normie audience. It had an X rating. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's what I'm saying is, uh, uh, as a piece of art, if you're going to put this out there, this is going to be people who don't know all the stuff you're saying are going to watch it. And it's going to, it's not going to help the problem. It's not addressing racism. It's making it worse. And that's because you can't expect an audience to sit there and intellectually analyze everything. And you know what I mean? I I don't know when you're, when you're referencing all this stuff, I'm assuming you've read some of what you're saying and not that you just instinctively when watching this started picking up on the, Oh, he's borrowing that artistic style from these previous cartoons that came out. I had actually learned all that stuff before I'd ever seen this one. Okay. So, right. But it's something you need to learn. It's not something you're going to automatically pick up on watching the movie. A very small percentage of people might, but it would be very small. 
And so well, that yeah, means but, but once again, it's it's what all counterculture is. It's it's forcing a conversation. It doesn't matter if you don't get it. Because even even if you're an enemy of the film, right? Even if you come into this screaming, what what racist trash is this? You're you're still doing what he wants you to do, and that's talk yeah. and argue about all of it. And I guess if all he's trying to be is a provocateur, fine. Yeah, one hundred percent. That is exactly what he does. Okay, he's he is uh, he is I, walking up to you and pissing on your shoes. In making you admit that he just pissed on your shoes. Okay. Well, then I guess he was successful. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like I said. It's it's complicated. Like, uh, people got to go into this and realize, like, he doesn't. He ain't. He isn't making. I don't. Whatever the fuck you want to think, like blockbuster movies. That's not what he does. Although I suppose he came close to it with Fritz the Cat, but even it's, I mean, pornographic and counterculture and so it wasn't rated violence. X, and, yeah, almost almost all of his stuff ended up with rated X. Well, and, and that's obviously by design. He didn't make any of this stuff thinking was it, it wasn't going to be rated that way. Well, suppo- supposedly this one, he tried really, really hard to get an R rating for it. And then they kept telling all him that. to cut stuff and cut stuff and cut stuff and cut stuff. And eventually he was like, no, fuck, fuck you. Like I'm not cutting anymore. But you can only have you can only have so many cartoon penises in your movie before they start to say <laughs> that's not really for a general audience. That's people need to be warned before they see that kind of thing. Right. But yeah, so so besides besides the complicated racial overtones of the film, which which admittedly is a significant part of the film, there's that's, also the yeah. complicated. It's why violence. it's why the movie exists. Yeah, yeah. There, well, there's also yeah. the the complicated casual violence of the film. That that once again, it's it's the same thing. It's supposed to be like, yeah, but everybody's okay with this all the time until you make it into a fucking joke, in which it is a fucking joke. Like one of the one of the first things that happens in this film is that the cops are dealing with a guy who appears to be, I don't know, a drug dealer. A, something and they're immediately distracted from him from just a random homeless guy who really isn't doing anything and they proceed to beat the living fuck out of this homeless guy like which is yeah and i mean obviously there's a message there right right Um, right right he doesn't which like like fine like like it's not exactly unique for somebody making counterculture films to be okay yeah we don't really like the police because they pick on the wrong people that's a that's there, but it is all played for laughs too, which I think is interesting. Like yeah. everything in this yeah, movie to turn is it all into laughs. a joke. Everything's a joke. Yeah, yeah, Every, yeah. And and there's something interesting about that. Um, I didn't find most of the I didn't find it particularly funny, uh, which is a problem because jokes don't work if they're not funny. And I found yeah. that like throughout the movie, I kept waiting for myself to laugh at something, and I just didn't. No, I, I, laugh, I laugh at bits and pieces of it, but I don't know. I, I suppose I'm I'm laughing not at the joke in the film, but at the like the meta joke of what the joke is is funny. If that makes it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, I guess like for like for like me, his, his parents is... abusive relationship. Yeah. Which is almost certainly based partially off of fact. You know what I mean? You can kind of. I think judging by the tone of the way he handles that stuff, I'm assuming 
his his real life parents were uh, gross abusive people. I know. Seems I fair. Do not know that. But something something about taking something awful like that and then turning them into a cartoon and reducing them to just a a one note ridiculous well, joke. But take it a, take it back a step to where we're saying everything is a everything is the um, the cartoon version of racism. Those were very stereotypical. There was a Jewish mother and a Italian father, and they were clearly very stereotypical. Those right, and I, if you're going to have a Jewish character behaving that way in a film, you know you can't ignore the fact that the filmmaker is Palestinian. There's obviously some uh, there's obviously some controversy there. And it was, you know, pretending to be nice, but then also pulling out the, the, a violent weapon from underneath your dress every two minutes is, in my head, like it's a clear. Right. It's, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's, slapping, it's slapping again, it's your titty back into your shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, weird. it's again, it's anti-Semitism and whether that's intentionally being done to start the conversation or whether it's just hating Jewish people. I don't I'm not inside the guy's head. I'm not going to speak to that, but it's that's all it is to me. I look at it and I go, okay, so you've got an anti-Semitic trope up here against uh, a trope of an Italian-American, and we'll have them uh, constantly fighting with each other because it's difficult for those two groups to get along. I mean, okay. And a trope of a transsexual and a trope of... He, yeah. covers, he covers everybody. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. And I'll just say for me watching the movie, it started to feel, and I think maybe why the humor doesn't work for me is because it feels like shock value for shock value's sake. I just feel like I'm just watching this and I'm... Like, they're just constantly slapping in the face going, come on. Like, they want you to be upset with them. And that's where I started to feel like I just didn't work for me. Okay. Brian, you're not saying much over there. Uh, Wait into our discussion of anti-Semitism and racism. <laughs> Let us know how you feel about these subjects. Um, one thing I feel like uh, if you think back to like the late 70s, pretty much the only animated movies you were seeing in the theater were Disney movies. So seeing like this something like this come along i bet it would be sort of mind-blowing and just completely out of nowhere and like you know what the fuck am i watching sort of thing so maybe you would get a lot more of that you know just sort of like oh shit like he's yeah he's throwing all this shit up on the screen and maybe that's stuff that I'm not used to seeing it presented this way. So maybe you're paying more attention to it. But yeah. Maybe it doesn't work quite as well in a 2021 type setting, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm glad it was pretty short. I was going to uh, say, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you in a little bit, although I think it's coming back around if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, in the 70s, it behooved everybody to be like, listen, we we all need to talk about this. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. all this shit exists. All this shit is bad. Why aren't we fucking talking about it? And then it kind of went into that weird era, like, post-80s and the 90s, where everybody was, I don't know, pretending racism was over, which was weird. Mm-hmm. 
and now it's almost like we've come back to the point where everybody's like, no, like maybe maybe we need to fucking talk about this. <laughs> like, yeah, but I feel like something like this from a uh, like, would you say Palestinian filmmaker talking a lot about like black culture and stuff like that and in parts of it and then, you know, Italian culture and Jewish culture or whatever. And even uh, some of the uh, portrayals of like sex workers and whatever. I feel like the 2021 audience would be a little bit more aghast at something oh, like they this. Would, they would burn him at the fucking stake. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they would get the point like we were talking about earlier. I, don't, I think they would look, overlook the point and get to, well, this guy shouldn't be saying all this shit. Even if he is bringing up good points. He's not part of the culture to be talking about all this for these separate groups of people and then would cause, you know, all sorts of pandemonium. Right. And the funny thing is, like I said, it happened back then, too. Like I said, yeah. Kinskin, Al Sharpton and them all, all went to war in, in the fun, and they were going to war with other black advocate groups who were <laughs> trying to tell yeah. them. No, you know. Yeah. So it's an interesting movie. It just yeah, from, uh, like I said, from, 20, from 20, 20, 2021 perspective, it's a little like holy shit. Like what the fuck am I watching? But yeah, trying to think back to like the seventies when all you're seeing is whatever fucking Disney movie is recirculating through the Cineplex again. Well, like that. this this would kind of jar you when you see it. Yeah, that that in animation, but then think about like the rest of cinema in the seventies. It was black exploitation movies and yeah. uh, rape revenge films and women in prison movies. You know, you know what I mean. Like there wasn't the seventies was not a gentle time for filmmaking. Mm. Yeah, I agree it's, with that. I, I, and I like, I guess that when you factor it. When you think about this as a 70s commentary on the racism and all that, of course, it's going to slap you in the face. Of course, it's going to be exploitative because that's what was especially in that early part of the 70s. I mean, this is what a year before the Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out. Like it's obviously right. we're not we're not holding back. We're not being subtle in our filmmaking at this time. And so obviously he's going to do it his way, too. But like I say, for me, it became all about the shock value and. I don't see how shock value starts a conversation. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think he's heavy handed and that's that's OK to a certain extent. But even I think even by those standards, he goes. A step too far sometimes. Okay. Glad we agree, at least. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm not arguing anything you say because you know more about this filmmaker than I do. When you say that these are his intentions, I'll take you at your word for that. But. I don't feel that that came across in the film. And like you, you're saying, okay, well with, with the Coonskin movie that there was different advocacy groups who supposedly are on the same side, arguing with each other about it. Well, that's a sign that you haven't started a conversation. You've started a screaming match. Right. And that's where True. it's that. Does, that's not helpful. It's, it's even I, more complicated. I'm excited to show you guys Coonskins. Coonskin is a remake of Disney's a song of the South set in Harlem by this guy okay. so it is un ungentle about his opinions of that other film i'm not looking forward to that week 
<laughs> I'm not even looking forward to, to Googling that movie to find out where it's play, where I can stream it. You're going to get on a list. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be on a list. Justin Trudeau is going to show up at your door and be like, now what's this all about? You're going to be like, have to explain yourself. Yes. Because we're, we're a humble little country where our prime minister goes door to door for each yeah. infraction and has a chat with us about it. That's what happens here. Now, Doug, you know this isn't the Canadian way. Um, I don't know. Does anybody else have anything else to say about <laughs> Like I say, it's, it's all complicated. And I'm not even saying dude's not racist. I'm just saying he's not as racist as he appears to be. <laughs> he's not he's not as racist as the film makes him seem. And yeah. I, I, I'm, again, I, just so we're clear, I, I think the film is racist. I'm not calling the filmmaker racist. I'll... I'll accept that there's some other explanation for why he depicts things this way and that he has some goal. And I'll even accept that sometimes counterculture artists just spit in your face for the sake of spitting in your face. I mean, I listen to punk music sometimes and it's, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. People like to do that, but sitting here watching this movie, trying to just either enjoy it or get a message out of it. And I I can't get either. So that's where I come from. Yeah. I'd agree. I, this, fair, this, yeah. this, this film is a film that you kind of like watch and it challenges you a little bit as opposed to like the last ones we watched, like Wizards, which you can just watch it be like, man, mm-hmm. these visuals are cool and this story is weird and I dig it. Well, and I think just my own personal bias watching these films is like, you know, Wizards and Lord of the Rings, like that fantasy stuff lends itself to this kind of surrealistic cartoon world more so than social commentary about racism in New York city for me anyway. Right. So that's maybe why the film doesn't work for me is because it's right away. I'm like, well, I don't really like the, the violent stuff. I'm like, okay, that's kind of funny. Wants to watch cartoons, beat each other up, but not for an hour and a half. And the racism stuff, I'm like, I just don't want to, just don't want to see it. And I don't derive any, I'm not laughing when there's all the sex stuff going on, but I'm also not, it's not, it's not titillating obviously because it's cartoons. It's not even, so, not, even when, so, not even when the dad brings the big fat hooker home to have sex with his son and then apparently expects to stand there and watch the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. Like, no, I didn't enjoy any element of that. Really. <laughs> I, yeah. I feel like it, it once was again, an attempt I don't, it, it's not, I don't feel like it's ever played as being sexy. No, no, I think it's played no. for comedy. Well, except like the, the, I'll, I'll take that back. Except for the one scene, this, the scene where, uh, the, the love interest gets naked that first time. I think that is mm-hmm. played for sexiness. And then of course it leads up to the joke of him getting a heart on and passing out. Yeah. But I mean, the sexiness is all part of the humor. It's not part, not right. actually intended sexy. I think they recognize that an audience isn't going to be an audience. There was no Jessica rabbit at this point. Audiences were not prepared to be stimulated sexually by cartoons. So yeah. took yeah, years if you're, to develop that. If, if you're masturbating to this film, you are damned. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, yeah, no, like, look, I, I'm not going to kink shame anybody. If that's your thing, it's your thing. You're not hurting anybody else. Movie's free on YouTube. It's convenient for you. <laughs> but 
I just I disagree. I think it's kinks, kinks are kinks. If you're masturbating to this film, see a therapist. You are a danger to everyone around you. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know how the hell we got here. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, right. <laughs> do you do you want to talk about Cool World? Yeah, yes. Yes, I do. Actually, <laughs> there's nothing that makes me want to talk about Cool World more than that last conversation does. Cool <laughs> um, World is a much, much more normal movie, which is um, basically it opens in 1945. Brad Pitt is a uh, soldier returning from the war. Uh, it looks it's like his first day back and he gets into a motorcycle accident. And just as I guess he's just dying. When he, what's that? So yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. He, uh, yep. yeah. Just as he's about to die, he gets sucked into a cartoon universe, um, and just decides to stay. Cut to, uh, I guess it's ninety-two, and Gabriel Byrne is the guy who created that universe, which makes no goddamn sense. Um, and he's getting out of prison, and he gets sucked in as well then we spend a long time just where nothing really happens then eventually uh gabriel burns sleeps with one of the cartoon characters that he invented and we find out that this causes all sorts of trouble because it somehow is going to cause both universes to collapse in on themselves so now brad pitt has to chase gabriel burn and his cartoon character who in the real world turns into kim basinger and try to drag them back in and somehow magically fix this problem. I didn't understand how they were going to fix it once he caught them. Um, conveniently, he never really does, so it's okay. And it just turns into a fun romp of uh, these weird characters chasing each other around Vegas. Yeah. Cut to happy ending, where Brad Pitt's character dies, but because he was killed by a cartoon, then he can be resurrected in the cartoon universe, and he gets to be with his cartoon girlfriend that he didn't get to be with for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the one uh, I'll tell you what, I actually really like this movie. And that's the one part of the movie that I, I just I'm like, God damn it. They shit the bed. <laughs> the You're just mad that the one guy gets to be happy at the end. No, I'm mad that they don't. There's no justification for that throughout the film. Like you don't. Is there justification for most things throughout the film? though? that was my complaint about it. I mean, at least they they make some effort to establish rules and stuff. Yeah. And they give a, but, but that thing of their life, what, what happens when annoyed gets killed by a doodle? He becomes a doodle. And it's like, but you haven't mentioned that. You could have just mentioned that in passing at any point in the film. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But at this point we're in a cartoon movie, so I don't, I, that didn't bother me. Um, Doug, you sounded a little confused about Gabriel Burns character creating cool world. Yeah, because it was clearly an existing universe prior yeah, to yeah. 1945. Yeah, he did not create it. He just yeah. sees it. Yeah, at one point he says he gets weird transmissions in his mind and just draws them. And that's, oh. that is what's turned into the comic book of Cool World in the real world. Okay. It's, that, literally, I, it's I, literally like one line. So, I mean, if you missed wait, it. Look, when when does that amazing. line happen? Uh, is he explaining it to the next door neighbor when she's over to check on him or something? 
Oh, no, I thought he was explaining it to Holly. No, maybe that was it. I don't know. He's explaining it to some somebody. It was either the neighbor okay. across the street or somebody saying that he's okay, been getting so, transmissions and it's yeah, he just yeah, draws he it. thinks he thinks he's made it all up, but really it's just yeah. he's somehow aware. Oh, all right. That yeah. explains it. And then Brad Pitt at one point does say it existed before you. It'll be here after you're gone. But he could have okay. just been talking out his ass. The transmission thing makes way more well, sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I thought I thought Brad Pitt was talking out of his ass. I didn't think he was making any sense. I thought that line <laughs> just didn't make sense. <laughs> okay. All right. So that 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 was probably one of my biggest yeah. complaints about the movie. To be honest, is that I couldn't figure out how that worked. So yeah. I think you guys have solved that problem. Yeah. They don't explain it very well. Like I said, it's literally one line. So I mean, if you miss that yeah. line, then yeah, that none of that makes sense whatsoever. So. Speaking of weird, broken things, does anybody else think that uh, Hollywood's Jessica Rabbit-esque character is way more attractive than Kiss Basinger in real life? <laughs> uh, weirdly, yes. Oh, yeah. It's weird, right? I don't know. But I suppose it's also because she's this hyper-sexualized fantasy version. But so is Kim Basinger in this movie. That's true. I mean, I don't know. Just, it's part of the because when, the outfits they put her in. It's just like, yeah. And we don't see Kim Basinger shit. like dancing at the club and stuff like that. They specifically, she's not put into weird situations to show off her figure or whatever. Like they do. With she, she was pretty version. famous in 1992. It's pretty yeah. hard to get a, an actress of her caliber to be doing those things. Yeah. I think that might be part of my thing is too. like, when my brain sees 1992 Kim Basinger, my brain remembers what it, <laughs> how it thought of her back then. <laughs> and it's like, that's fucking Batman's girlfriend. I think they'll know if like, Vicky. So what'd you think of this movie, Doug? Uh, it was okay. I, so I liked the beginning part with Brad Pitt. Cause he's just doing that. Like, I don't even know how to describe that acting style, but where he's, he's just being charming on screen. He's not really portraying a character, but it's kind of fun in this type of a movie to have that. Yeah. And then he gets sucked back. He gets sucked into the cartoon world. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And it's pretty well done. Like it's well made. And then we cut to the future time and I'm a little bit confused as to why. Um, I found there was like probably 20 minutes of the movie there where they just kind of played in the cartoon universe. And I think maybe they were doing world building. But to me, it just came off as showing off what we can do with cartoons. Like it, I was just like, what the hell is the point of any of this? And I was getting real bored of it. And uh, it just, it took me a while to like, just like, just stop doing this. It's annoying. (laughs) But then when the storyline kicks in and you get like the whole thing with Gabriel Burns sleeping with the cartoon character and she becomes real and now they got to come out into the real world and that one guy from the beginning of the movie is out in the real world wearing like a trench coat so that nobody will know he's a cartoon and that, that's all really fun to watch like it's again whether it's good or not is debatable but it's fun as hell to watch these like just weird characters running around Vegas and they keep turning into cartoons and they're climbing the sides of buildings and you know the, that poor neighbor gets sucked into it. She like walks in on Brad Pitt holding a gun on Gabriel Byrne. And she's like, Oh, like what's going on here? And she ends up having to be their driver for the rest of the movie. Like all that stuff is super fun to watch. It's like, part of it is just the performances. I mean, those are like your three leads are all good actors and they're all like just having fun on screen. And it's just wacky to see these cartoons going back and forth. And so, yeah, 
yeah like i i, I enjoyed that lot i wish that the plot had hap- had been more of the movie like you could have had if you wanted to spend time in the cartoon universe, you should have had a had Brad Pitt chasing them around the cartoon universe for a while before they came out to the real world. And that rather than spending all that time with all those like side characters and Brad Pitt's got his like deputy or whatever, because he's a cop now in this cartoon universe. They never even, I don't think they explained how he became a cop, but he also had 50 years to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, he was there for 50 years, so he got a new job is not, I guess not far fetched. Right. But I, a lot of that stuff there's like a bunny that was like playing dice and they were screwing him over and i'm like that bunny's not coming back later i could tell just while i'm watching the scene i'm like this is just you guys just wanted to see a bunny get screwed over in a game of dice so you just made that happen in your movie like <laughs> and they thought it so would I, be funny when the bunny finally loses it on the cops and goes nuts yeah but I, I I think maybe that it's possible this director and I do not have the same sense of humor. And so things that he thinks are funny, I do not find funny. So you didn't find it mm-hmm. funny when the, the little horrible baby monster guy pees on the, the patrol car full of weird little mini cops. No, I don't see. I find that delightful. Yeah. Most of the stuff that didn't involve the main characters, I didn't really enjoy. It was, Everything involving that core group where it's like, again, Brad Pitt, Gabriel Byrne, Kim Basinger, either or the cartoon version of her that existed before her. All that was fun. And I didn't even mind that Brad Pitt got to be with his cartoon girlfriend at the end of the movie. All right. How'd you how'd you feel about uh, the other guy turning into the weird superhero character at the end? <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was it's, a bit strange. It's real weird, isn't it? It's super weird. Yeah, it's I've, I kind of left that out of my plot description, didn't I? Cause I don't know what to fucking say about it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I didn't really mind that. Cause I, I feel like maybe it's like the end of the movie and you're just like, we're just going to do some wacky shit before we go. And you're like, okay. Yeah. I think the movie, I don't know. It's interesting. Cause the, the movie has some overtones that are interesting. Like, uh, ideas about escapism and, and how sometimes it's a good thing. And sometimes it's a, bad thing depending on what you're using it for well yeah i mean the message of like gabriel burns character is like creating this universe or thinks he's creating it whatever and he can go kind of hide there to help him escape the world and stay away from his problems and it's all great until he goes too far and it causes everything to go to shit i think there's like a it's a very simple message it's you know well well, and in, in addition to that, there's the idea of he's he's using it to escape something that he did and that he should feel bad about. Yeah. Versus Brad Pitt's character who's using Cool World to escape, but not from something he did, just from a, a horrible, painful, awful situation that is nothing but misery, if that makes sense. And to and. To a certain extent, that's just a very simple divide of here's your good guy, here's your bad guy, right? Right. Cartoon lo- cartoon logic, like the guy that's... It's it's not a coincidence that the guy who's in there for a quote-unquote noble reason hiding from pain that was done to him is also the guy who chooses not to cross that line. He's We see him with his cartoon girlfriend making a conscious decision not to sleep with her because he knows it could be dangerous. And then we see the Gabriel Burns character who's more, 
you know, he's he's taking advantage of this cool world for a more selfish reason. And then he's also the guy that goes too far with it and could be destroying the universe. So it's it's a really simple divide between good and evil in this movie, which is good in a in a movie this cartoonish. You don't want to be walking any kind of gray lines between good and evil. <laughs> right. I like I like the fact that so like Brad Pitt's character is kind of unintentionally good. Uh, the the Daniel Byrne character is more unintentionally bad. And then you've got the Holly character who is intentionally bad. <laughs> And she's and she's doing the same thing, which is interesting. She's she's after the exact same escapism that they're engaging in. Right. But she just wants it for a different reason. But massively selfish, awful reasons. Yeah. But to be fair, she's a cartoon character. So how much do you really expect her to be? Um how much thought do you expect her to put into things? She's only existed since he drew her on a page, right? Well, no, because she existed before he was. Oh, she existed she before he I was thought... born. Oh, she did? No. I knew the world did. I, apparently, I don't understand the lore of this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, it, from my understanding, it's, it's like she has almost been putting out the transmissions to him. I think trying to lure him. Okay, because I knew she was going like, to Cool World to get him out. Yeah, at least that's. I knew, that's I, knew how that she, I, I knew. I knew that she lured him in, and like to because that's. I mean, we see that visually when he's still in his prison cell, and she like physically reaches out from the page and pulls him in. We see that he, she, um, like she's she's dragging him into the universe, but I didn't realize that. I guess I didn't realize that she had sought him out, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know if they explicitly the if they explicitly say it, but that's kind of how I took it by the time the movie was over. I don't think this movie is designed to invoke the level of thought we're attempting to put into it right now. Probably not. <laughs> Again, it's it's Brad Pitt in a zoot suit chasing Gabriel Byrne around Las Vegas with <laughs> Kim Basinger doing comic relief in the background. It's yeah, it's more enjoyable if you don't think about it too much. Uh, one of the things I read. This was actually supposed to be a lot darker. I believe the, uh, that. Um, I almost feel like I've not read anything to it, but I feel like Roger Rabbit came out and he saw this and was like, that's that's like sugary bullshit. I'll show you what a, what a real like noirish yeah. uh, cartoon that, that human hybrid right. movie would be like. Yeah. And then he went in and pitched him and apparently took a bunch of like, um, you know, drew a bunch of stuff and took stuff in as part of his pitch process. And apparently a lot of that shit was a lot darker than what ended up being in the movie. And the original idea was to go for like a hard R, but then eventually like the studio and then like when Kim Basinger came on board, they decided to try to roll it back to like a PG. Like for some reason they thought they were going to get a PG with this movie and they ended up getting PG 13, which is still baffling to me. But well, yeah. It's weird because I understand where a filmmaker would be coming from wanting to make this into a hard R movie. And it would be a very, very different movie, right? Yeah. Much darker. Like you could, you can imagine what that would be like. Um, But when the studio says PG and the filmmaker says hard R, I don't know how you, I don't know how they still work together. Like you'd (laughs) think either, either he would just, you know, take an executive producer credit and make a few bucks off somebody else bastardizing his original idea or 
he would take his idea and walk away and not make it at all rather than having him make this movie. It's kind of surprising. I would like to see this remade hard R with a time machine and replace Brad Pitt with Rutger Howard. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Another thing I read was Kim Basinger about halfway through the movie brought, brought up something they're like, oh, you know, I just wish we could just do something to like make it so we could like show this to movie like kids in the hospital or something. And apparently one of the producers like agreed with her and back. She was like, you can't come to me halfway through the movie and say you want to do stuff like that because you can't like we can't just scrap a bunch of animation and, you know, decide to completely change direction in the middle of the movie like this. Like there's no way with all the stuff we've shot already, especially with how rare his directorial things were. I'm sure he was real pissed that they came (laughs) in because, you know, once, once again, having you guys having seen his other movies and what he likes to do. Yeah. This movie is clearly a studio coming in and putting their hands all over his shit. Yeah. Like I, I, Again, I don't know this, but I like I assumed this idea existed in his head and he couldn't get it made. And then Roger Rabbit hits and then he goes, yeah, I can. I got my version of this and there's just studios who are just on board enough. And then they start fucking with it and get it down to this. It's funny. If, it's, it's, I was going to say, and if I remember right, this kind of kicked off. Like a a small little pocket of animation resurgence because I think it was like this and then Bebe's Kids and a bunch of stuff like that came out right after it. Yeah. But it's it's a weird movie though. Like the idea of this movie, like a PG thirteen. Like I understand Hard R, you go for a very specific audience. I understand PG, you're going for hey man. Kids like cartoons. Dad's like Kim Passenger. We'll put them all in the same movie and maybe they'll all go to the theater together. I understand that totally, right? So it's like, all right, but then the PG-13 model is just like, okay, so we're telling parents not to bring their kids to a cartoon movie, but it's not not an R-rated movie that adults would want to go to. So who's supposed to see this and why would they? Right. (laughs) Like... Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's just a weird thing where it's like it, it's the idea of a studio and a director negotiating an agreement on where to, the movie should fall is just insane. Why one of you has to win that discussion, and if neither of you do, you get this sort of middle of the ground stuff, which again I think is fine. It's, it was a fun movie to watch, but it's just a strange, strange thing that you would spend the money to make something like this. I was like, just could you imagine being the studio and hiring Kim Basinger and being like, yeah, Kim Basinger, sex bomb. And she's like, let's make a kid's movie. And they're like, well, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so weird. I don't understand how studio heads think. And I mean, like, maybe if we'd taken the time to research this, which we never do, we'd find out that there was a change in some position that resulted in the guy that greenlit this not being the guy in charge when it was being made or something. I don't know, but it's just, it's weird. It is interesting. One of the, the, uh, sort of the main, one of the main producers on it is Frank Mancuso jr. 
who got put okay. in charge of producing a lot of the Friday the 13th movies. So he went from that to doing this and for some reason was like, yeah, we should show this to kids in, in hospitals. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't make any damn sense. Well, it does a little bit if it was if it was Kim Basinger's idea and he's like, Batman's girlfriend wants me to do this. What am I supposed to do? Say no to her? <laughs> Cooking Alfred couldn't keep her out of the back cave because she's too pretty. How am I supposed to stop her? <laughs> I was going to say, these, these movies always fuck me up because they I waffle so hard back and forth of whether or not directors should just be given unfettered control over their own projects because something like this, I'm like, yeah, fucking studio. You guys need to back off and all that kind of stuff. But, but then you look at somebody like George Lucas, where if he doesn't have a studio telling him, no, he just fucking makes you garbage. Well, I'll I'll take it a step further though. And we, I'm guessing not a lot of studio involvement in heavy traffic. And could you imagine something like a, a mixed animation live action movie coming out, but that was the animation style they were using for the characters. And you're like, yeah, in the nineties, I'm not sure that would have gone over particularly well. <laughs> Probably wouldn't have got their PG 13. I'd agree with that. So there's, there are advantages to studio involvement, but there's also sometimes it's like you say, when they come to you in the middle of, in the middle of shooting and want something different. And it's like, well, we're in the middle. You can't do that. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. But what if the drug addict neighbor instead is a 10 year old boy who learns a lesson? (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. yeah, I saw this movie when I was, when I was like a teenager and I did not enjoy it whatsoever. Uh, I think as an adult, I, like it a lot better. Um, it's still not like necessarily my favorites, but I think uh, I was able to enjoy it much more. Don't know what I was expecting the first time I watched it. Definitely wasn't. I wasn't like expecting Roger Rabbit, but maybe something that made a little bit more sense at the time. But I feel like I understand a lot better now. Yeah, this is a good. It was a good experiment. It just didn't completely work. That's fair. It is still, like I said, it's still fun to watch. I keep wanting to repeat that. It's like we're putting all this thought into it and analyzing it. And it's like, yeah, but if you just had a bowl of popcorn and you were just watching this, you're probably going to chuckle a few times and laugh at it and be charmed by the characters. And that's enough, right? Sometimes. Yeah, I mean, if you're into like electronic dance music, it's got a pretty decent soundtrack. Well, yeah. It's also kind of fun to watch for the pop culture references because they obviously didn't have like the way Roger Rabbit had all the rights to do whatever. This yeah. movie clearly did not. Yeah. So, you know, there's multiple Freddy Krueger nods in this, which were fun. Some more obvious than others. There's for some reason there was a picture of Daffy Duck in this that they just kind of snuck in at one point. Yeah. I think uh, there's a bunch of reference. I think there's a bunch of references to Batman, the animated series, but then I'm doing my math in my head going but they've been able to because it's right around the same time, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't, no. I'm not even 100% sure if those were all intentional or not. No, I have no idea. So, yeah, lots of Disney references to you. Yep. Bashki, like, fucking thumbing his nose at the mouse the entire time. He kind of does. He, he loves the, the horny wolves. Yeah. Is a big yeah. thing that that recurs a lot in this work. Yeah, I had read that uh, since they couldn't, you know, like you said, they didn't have the rights for specific characters or whatever. 
that they just use a lot of template characters since they had to build pretty much the entire world from the ground up. So yeah, the horny wolves are one of them. The rabbit is essentially like, you know, other, another sort of template from other movies and yeah. Quote, quote fingers thumper. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that looks like thumper, but yeah. All right. See, I, I feel like, I feel like this was success, a success week. You guys were lukewarm on both movies. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was not lukewarm on the first movie. Lukewarm on both movies. <laughs> All right, just you heard wait. it here, folks. Doug loves racist cartoons. <laughs> Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What did everybody watch this week? I just watched that. Skip me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since I'm going to cut that out, that's going to be a weird segue, but sure. It's going to be super awkward when the audience is like, just, what's he talking about? <laughs> Although they do that a lot when Noah talks, I'm sure. That was almost certain. What did you watch, Doug? Uh, let's see. Oh, I watched uh, Nobody Sleeps in the Woods Tonight 2. Because they made a sequel to it. And I've seen the first one, so I felt like I had no choice. And uh, yeah, the only reason to watch that movie is if you have no choice. It's just, (laughs) it's not very, it's not very good. Um, So the first half of the movie, it felt like, okay, it's a slasher sequel, but it, it felt as though it just felt like they were, they felt like they had to make a sequel. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like it, it just didn't they were feel like, like I this. Yes, it didn't have like the same like kind of heart and soul to it that the first one did. Which I thought the first one really kind of captured what a slasher is. It was simple. It was just easy storytelling. Um, so I was hoping this one would just be that. I would just be like ten years later, more kids go into the woods, more slashery stuff happens. That's all I was hoping for in a life. Nobody's and, learned. Yeah. Now people do sleep in the woods at night. It's so wrong. Um, but yeah, so it, it starts out that way and then it takes like, I'll spoil it for you guys. Hope you're not upset, but it's a, so the, like the survivor girl from the first one goes in the woods, gets stuff on her and she's turning into one of the, she gets the meteor shit on her and now she's turning into one of the killer guys. She's one of the, she's turning into the killer guy from the, uh, first movie right so she's whatever deformations that they had she's getting now right okay so there's first slasher sequel that's good enough now they're gonna have to chase her down she's gonna be killing people i'm fine with that part um and uh it it takes a weird twist where then another person gets the meteor shit on them and they start turning into the monster thing and then those two start talking to each other in weird alien language with subtitles. So the rest of the movie is dubbed English, but when these two fucking monsters are talking to each other, I got to read subtitles. It's like, no, not in my slasher movie. Like, 
fine with subtitles if I go see a foreign film at like the indie theater. I'm not fine with subtitles in the middle of a slasher film where I was not expecting them. And then there's like a full on love scene between the two that I have no desire to see. And I'm like, what, what just happened here? I thought this was a slasher series. <laughs> why, why isn't it 10 years later and more kids go in the woods and it turns out, oh, and remember in the first movie where there was two brothers killing people? There was actually a third brother this whole time we forgot to tell you about. And now he's killing people. That's what a slasher oh, sequel Lord. is supposed to be. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I did not enjoy the movie at all. Um, so go right ahead and skip that if if you're debating <laughs> it. I don't know. Um, but I didn't give up on slashers because I never will. <laughs> so I found one on found one on Tubi called Blood Harvest, and that which stars an actor in clown makeup called Tiny Tim. He's not a clown; he's an actor in clown makeup. Uh, as Brian and I debated, uh, like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, Tiny Tim is a pop culture. Like people know who he is through pop culture. The clown himself is not called right. Tiny Tim. I do not know who he is from pop culture. Really? Um, Tiptoe through the yes. tulips? So, you know, you know, this through the tulips from, from Insidious. That from Sinister? That's Tiny or Tim. Insidious, sir. All right. Yeah. So that's, that's I legit. If, if you had, if you had asked me that without telling me, I would have thought that oh. that song was like a hundred years old. Oh. Way too old for this guy to have played it. He, uh, uh, he, he used to go real, on the Tonight Show and stuff a lot. Yeah, he was real big in like the oh. uh, 70s and 80s. Yeah. And right, if you on. watch videos of him, there's a weird thing where you can never quite tell if the whole thing is like an act and he's doing a character or if he really was just a fucking weirdo. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting because that's how I would describe him in this movie as well. Because yeah. uh, the movie is... It's sort of like a yellow slasher type thing where it's like small town girl comes back to her small town. Her parents are missing. Somebody seems to be like killing people and doing horrible things to her. I wonder who it could be. And in the background, there's this character who's like mentally insane and walks around dressed up as a clown all day. He's not actually a clown in the movie, by the way. He just dresses like that. Um, So that's the whole idea is he's the i mean unless in case it's your it's your first time ever watching a movie then i guess earmuffs but uh it's he's the red herring right but he's surprisingly effective as one because you're like that guy's so fucked up he's got to be a killer right (laughs) it's like you know I, i know logically that the guy who's obviously the killer two minutes in isn't the killer and that other guy who they're trying to make me think isn't a killer is obviously the killer <laughs> but then I'm like he's so weird that now I kind of think maybe he is <laughs> so anyways it was a pretty fun movie there's some fun like that some some fun blood scenes there's a uh, the second half of the movie has a, a fair amount of nudity in it if you're into that kind of thing the movie takes a really weird turn where um so there's literally a shower scene, and when the girl's getting in the shower, the main actress in the movie is getting in the shower, and they do that kind of like classy movie thing where you see her from behind and she drops her robe, so you get that shot from behind and she steps in, but you don't see too much. But then somebody's fucking with her and like turning off the water on her while she's in the shower, and when she comes back out, it's like full frontal nudity. 
And from that point on, the movie takes up like much more liberal use of nudity. And I swear it's like a weird, <laughs> it's like a weird, like that shower is the, the dividing point in the movie. And then like after that, there's, there's some fun nudity. There's also some very effective, like creepy scenes where somebody like sneaks in while she's asleep and takes pictures of her naked, which are surprisingly effective as far as just being creepy and gross. Um, which I, I assume is intentional. And then there's, you know, there's, there's, there's the film did a good job of walking that line of just being like a fun little eighties horror movie, but also having that creepy gross factor in the background, that sort of seventies feel to it that we were talking about earlier. And so it's probably a recommend if you're into that kind of movie, um, which is the, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you're not into that kind of movie. <laughs> so. Yeah, I uh, I watched this a while ago. Yeah. Um, because Joe Bob did a did it on an episode an okay. episode of his show, so I watched like that episode. Um, remember very little about the movie, so I obviously was not a huge fan of it. But like, I'm sure it's fine. It's a lot of it is typical, right? Like you're gonna if you've seen one of these '80s like mystery, who could the killer be? That's in this town. You've seen them all, right? Yeah. But on the other hand, those are sometimes just fun to watch, especially after I tried to watch Nobody Sleeps in the Woods tonight too, and it just failed me. So, <laughs> and there yeah. is like the ending of this movie is pretty cool, where yada 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 all the reveals about the who the killer is and what his motivations are and everything. He ends up with a bunch of the characters in the movie like hanging in a barn, and he's like killing them in cool ways. People have to stop him. So that part, that scene does get pretty cool where he's got them all like dangling upside down on this barn. At one point, he like slits one of their throats. Pretty fun. You know, family stuff. Yeah. You know, it's actually a very family oriented storyline. I won't get into the spoilers <laughs> of his motivations and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So if you got Shudder and if the movie is still on their service, there's a Joe Bob episode you can watch. Yeah. I, I watched it through 2B. So. It's, it's available yeah. for free in many ways or parts of other streaming services, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, okay. So the, the bad thing about shutter is if you like Joe Bob stuff, the, when the movie leaves the service, his episode comes down too, which is a bummer. Oh, really? Yeah. That's kind of annoying, but yeah, not that I've ever seen an episode of Joe Bob's stuff, but you know, <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be the same. Like if you watched Elvira or something, it's you know, the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh fuck. They took that episode down. Huh. That's interesting that they don't have a deal for. I guess it makes sense, right? They've only got the, the the rights to the movie, and then they can do whatever they want with it. But those are expiring. Uh, yeah. There's something else. Like you have to, they have to agree to let it be on the show as well. So even though like Shutter has it, they still have to get permission to run it on the show. Because usually with most. Um, most contracts with like streaming services and theatrical runs and TV versions or whatever. Uh, the company has to agree not to um, essentially edit the movie in any way. Like it has to run as it comes from the studio. And since technically putting commercial breaks in it or interrupting it with a horror host would classify that they have to, you know, just do a separate agreement or whatever, but it all ends up hinging on 
if they have the broadcast rights to it. So once that expires, unfortunately, it uh, gets taken down all around. One day they'll consolidate all of these streaming services into one big one. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, all, <laughs> we'll call it cable. It'll, yes. Yes. They'll, they'll just go back to cable. And we won't have all these problems. Uh, anyways, the last thing I watched is I finally finished up Ash versus Evil Dead. Watched the final season. Do you guys remember oh, when I said no. I'm I'm going to put that off for a while because I don't want it to be over yet. So I'm just going to wait a while before I watch the third season. <laughs> I waited way too long because I really can't remember seasons one and two that well anymore. But I'm like, fuck it. Just watch season three. Uh, oh, man. I absolutely loved it. Just so we're clear. Um, as much as I'm sad that it's over, I think the ending is the perfect ending for this show. Like I, I look at this show as essentially a sequel to evil dead Two, And so to have it end with, I don't know. You guys have seen it, right? Yeah. Okay. So it, it ends with Ash in the future going in to take on the deadites, which is kind of the exact opposite of the end of evil dead Two. I thought was a perfect way to end it. Um, it just, you know, it, it ends with him kind of having to fight that one big giant fucking, uh, the actual like dark one or whatever they call them. The big evils that, that have come through. I thought that was super fun to watch him like driving in a tank at this fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of it was just, it, it just get, got so big and so over the top. And Bruce Campbell is just perfect throughout the whole fucking show. So you're just loving every minute of it. And then that ending is ideal. I was super nervous when they brought in the daughter character, but I thought they handled it really well. Um, The whole idea of giving him a daughter is very strange, but because he's Bruce Campbell, he can be like, he can act like he cares about his daughter while at the same time, just being the same asshole he's always been (laughs) because he's so good at being a lovable asshole. So you can get away with both. Yeah, like he he knows how to walk that line, and I, it's a talent that I don't know if there's anyone in the world better at it than him, of just like he's an utter complete scumbag in every level, but somehow you love him for it. <laughs> it's just, and you, you know, if you've ever seen Bruce Campbell answer questions live at a Q and A or something, you can tell he loves being that guy. He loves to just do it to people because he's fun. And he's just since Ash and Bruce are essentially the same character at this point, it's uh, yeah, pretty much. He can just he can he can pull it off on screen, and it just works perfectly. I love that there was a a moment in this where they destroyed the chainsaw, and they treated it like the death of a character. <laughs> like people were genuinely reacting to it, and I myself was like, "Oh no, the chainsaw." And even going into the final battle, I'm like, it's too bad the chainsaw is not here to help. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, loved every as minute much, of it. As much as sad you're saying so- it's the it's the perfect ending, I mean, I am sad that uh, we could have gotten at least one more season to see Ash just rip roaring it up in a dystopian future and killing a bunch of shit. Look, if that had happened, great. But I have no problem with this being like the fear of all of these types of shows is that they're going to go on too long and they're going to get they're 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 going to end up being canceled because they're not good anymore. Whereas a show like this one managed to end in a way where I'm like, 
that's fine. That's great. That's a good ending. It's almost better than if you had him like, like if you had him defeating the evil and actually like closing everything off for good, destroying the Necronomicon or something like that, that wouldn't feel right. Right. Like Dash is, Ash is always going to be, he's going to win every fight, but he's never really going to win the war is kind of the feeling you get because he's not that competent. <laughs> and so I love the idea that he's like, just get just like, you know, the whole fucking world ends and he wakes up in this future and there's all this new technology and all this shit going on. And he's just gets, gets back in the same fucking car and heads off to the next fight. <laughs> it's such a great idea. I don't know. For me, for me, I loved it. Sure. I'm, I'm super glad that show exists. Um, I, again, like, it, yeah, if there was more, I'd watch more for sure. But I, I, I can't complain about this being over because it was just right. Yeah. Oh, I get it. So. Just makes me sad. I could always use more ash in my life. Yeah, like it's. Like, don't get me wrong. They announce Evil Dead 4 tomorrow and oh, they're bringing the character back to tell one more story. I'm still going to love it. Yeah. Uh, eventually, he has to stop, right? Like, I don't know how old Bruce is at this point. Like, he's got pushing 60. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, but grouchy old man Ash is the is one of the best parts of the series. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point, he's physically unable to do the things he needs to do, right? Yeah. They are doing another Evil Dead movie, but I assume it's, it's another. Uh, they, is it another <sighs> reboot? It's, yeah, I don't, know what's going on. I don't think they're calling it a remake. It's just Evil Dead story set in a high rise or something apartment building. So it's not a terrible idea. I don't know. We'll have to see a trailer before I decide to judge. Yeah, it, it. depends who's in, who's involved. Because I was very hesitant for the the air quotes remake. Um. And it turned out to be quite good. Yeah. So you can do like, I, I I keep an open mind on things like this. I don't think this universe is one that's because it never took itself too seriously. I don't need to either. And I, you know what I mean? Like it can, if they, even if they were to make a bad evil dead movie, if they tried again, I'd still be interested in the next one kind of thing. Like it's, I mean, we can follow, we can follow the foreign distribution route and, uh, I think there was like six or seven evil dead movies according to them yeah yeah well we're not we won't be discussing that <laughs> Care, careful those will end up on the list by mistake let them watch them all yes <laughs> mistake <laughs> did you watch anything else uh no just eternals which i believe we are holding off on that discussion for now well, the only thing I really got worth talking about is something I can't really go too far in depth with because Doug hasn't watched it yet, uh, which is the new Dexter yeah. started. Um, first episode back, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know. Dexter's hiding out in uh, whatever lumberjack town we saw him in at the end of the original series. And he sort of rebuilt his life or built a new life as it was. And of course, everything starts to come crashing down. So, won't go too far into it, but somebody on my Facebook did mention that they thought the first half of it was off. They're like, I don't know, the first half just seemed kind of really boring, but once it started going, it got really good. And I laid out like maybe a theory as to why. And once I told them, they're like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. 
So it's interesting. I'll be interested once you start watching it. What do you think of it? I want to watch it, but I still I haven't watched that. the rest of it. So have you ever watched the original run of Dexter? Well, I've I've made it to like season three. Oh. Wait, you didn't see four? Oh. Watch four. I'm four trying to remember what what happens one. what happens in four? Four is John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. Oh yeah, no, I don't four, remember John Lithgow. Four is the peak of the mountain. Dude, like, yes, yeah. Like, there's nowhere else good to go after season four, and it's obvious after you watch season four. John Lithgow is so it's, good. Yeah, I, I almost think John Lithgow is so good in season four that he ruined the rest of the show. Because yeah. I don't think like like seasons five and six, I don't think were that bad. The problem is like it's you're just coming down from. <laughs> John Lithgow. Yeah. yeah, that's not even an exaggeration. Like, he is so amazing in season four that it's just baffling why he doesn't play a serial killer on every show. Yeah, that ending. Oh, that ending. Oh, of season my four. God. Jesus Christ. Don't, don't say yeah. it. Don't ruin it. No, I'm not going to, but I might have to talk about it next week because I might be watching Dexter season four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't remember. What was season three? Uh, that was with what's his name? Oh, I love what's his name. Yeah. Uh, trying not to say the Mexican guy because that's not the polite way to say it. <laughs> Jimmy Smith. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I guess it was the right way to say it because it got the point across. Well, it was him or uh, Edward James almost, but he was in season six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I would recommend catching up through season three and binging through season four because it is fantastic. I've always been to, I don't, I don't, I can't remember why we fell off watching it. It happens. I think, it, I think it was, we got distracted with something exciting. Maybe a bunch of Marvel yeah. shit came out or something. It's possible. Uh, so yeah, check out, uh, check out the new Dexter. Uh, I yeah, enjoyed the first I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I, I might be, I might be waiting for it to be all available just so that yeah, I can binge no. it and only pay for the streaming service it's on for one month. No. I get so it. I, I really it's, should probably go get but it's it. It's just like, God damn it. I should, should get a new email address so I can get another free trial from them. But. <laughs> I should probably catch up quick. Cause in the next couple of weeks, wheel of time comes out and then I'm going to be all distracted with that shit. Oh, good lord. I don't I don't know much about Wheel of Time. I've never read the books or anything, but I'm gonna say season four of Dexter is worth skipping on that. Do you like do you like losing five years of your life? Eh, depends on the years. Well, read the Wheel of Time series. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh all right, what did you uh decide for us to watch next week, Doug? Well I Coonscan. I was no, obviously that's not correct. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of all your childish nonsense and your stupid cartoons. So next week we're going to talk about evil dolls, um, magic and devil dolls. So magic is the, they're both the evil ventriloquist dummies. Magic is the one I actually want to see. It stars Anthony Hopkins and uh, devil dolls. The one I tracked down online when I was looking for another movie to match up with it. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Could be an interesting, interesting episode. There are multiple um, devil dolls. So we're talking about the 1964 British film. There's like a 1999 movie as well called that. So be careful. All 
So be ready and to get both your... are available on YouTube if anyone's wanting to watch along. So be ready for uh, Evil Doll week next week. It's technically the term we should be using. I don't want to offend our ventriloquist listeners. <laughs> Couldn't even get through that it's, sentence without it's laughing. It's a goddamn marionette. You piece of shit. It's not even uh, the part that's funny. The part that's funny is the idea that we might have a listener. Right? To keep falling off. Uh, no, uh... Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Marvel's Eternals, and we're going to do a big spoiler re- review. Yeah, so, so if you haven't seen it, fuck right off. Yeah. Uh, do you want to break or <laughs> or not? Uh, do you want to uh, sort of run down about the movie and what the movie is about? Me? Noah. Sure. Since I know you love, you were excited about this movie. Uh, so the Eternals are a group of beings that were created to fight the deviants uh, to protect life on Earth. And then they find out that uh, that was kind of all bullshit. And they were actually <laughs> the deviants were created to do the exact same thing, which is increase the population of the planet uh, to the point where. The seed of an Eternal who's growing inside the planet can be hatched like a a big fucked up egg killing everyone on the planet. And in this case, they decide, well, that ain't cool, yo. So they stop that. (laughs) That ain't cool, yo. (laughs) It's not cool. There's one thing that I think is not cool. It's destroying the whole planet just so this guy can get born. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's interesting because it's not a stereotypical superhero story this feels more like an experiment of them trying to figure out what they want to do with the fantastic four because it's more about a dysfunctional family trying to like come to grips with all their feelings toward one another yes it the way i've been describing it to people is like it's shockingly grounded and character driven for a movie about these godlike creatures trying to destroy the planet. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but it's really just mostly a lot of these guys are just these people talking to each other. They've been family for a long time and they haven't been getting along lately and they have to learn to come together. That's cute. And as usual, the, the Superman character is a douchebag. No, oh, that's what they have yeah. to do. Yeah. That's just, you have to do that now if you're making any sort of superhero team up movie. There has to be a Superman and he has to be a douche. Yeah, that's fine. I did feel so I didn't I didn't I knew like bits and pieces of what was going to happen in this, but not the details because I didn't read any fucking internals comics and neither did you. That's right. You, the listener, none <laughs> of you read an internals comic. I would almost be willing to stake a bet of some kind on that. Well, I didn't realize Neil Gaiman wrote a run of them back in what, 2009? Yeah, they're supposed to be, they're kind of like the uh, Marvel's version of the New Gods yeah. from DC. So, it but, made, me, made me mildly interested in checking out Neil Gaiman's run. Yeah, but. I was going to say, the thing I found super fucking disappointing, so the trailer completely fucked this movie up. Yeah. Because having seen the trailer and whatever this movie started, I was like, well, God Damn it. Now, you know, fucking all the what all's going on right out the back because the trailer showed you some stuff that you shouldn't have known. Like 
it showed the scene of Ajax and uh, Icarus talking on the porch about the mm. emergence. Yeah. So once the movie starts and Ajax, you know, is supposed to be dead at the beginning and you're like, well, now we know fucking Icarus killed her because he knows about the emergence and he's lying to everybody <laughs> like. God damn it. What a shitty trailer. They should be fucking ashamed of themselves. I have said I just think you pay too much attention to trailers. So that's on you. Because I just watch the trailers to see if things look pretty. Um, and it, I think one of the problems we have as a society now is we spend so much time analyzing every little thing that pops up online that we take the fun out of watching these things now. Because I would, I didn't pick up on any of that going in. Well, I also watch trailers just to see if stuff is neat. But I also, despite the fact that I seem to be forgetting a lot of things <laughs> recently, I also unfortunately remember in great detail the insignificant, <laughs> stupid shit that I have no need to fucking remember. I was going to say, I remember that they showed her at the ranch, at that little farm or whatever she's got. Yeah. But I didn't remember who she was talking to or even what they were talking about. Yeah, she's it's yeah, it's her talking to Icarus describing the emergence where she says, you know, Thanos destroyed half the planet and they brought him back with the snap of a finger starting the emergence or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It totally makes sense now that you've said it and I can see how that would be annoying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it completely went over my head. I didn't want to even pay that close of attention, I guess. So, yeah, but it's all right. All the, all the characters were cool. I thought uh, Kumil Nanjiani's character was pretty funny. And his uh, his valet was probably the bright point of the film where that dude would just fucking pop up with a camera occasionally and somebody would break That's... it and he just has another fucking camera. How many cameras did you that... bring? That was super fun, just having him follow them around the whole time. It was yeah. a blast. I objectively i want to say that that's like stupid because it's just like how are all these superhero characters around and this guy's just somehow keeping up this like chubby old guy <laughs> but i don't care because it was too much fun so i do i like the justifications at the end where they're like okay the world's ending you know you should you should go home and he's like why on earth would i fucking do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is pretty great i don't know i liked it i liked all the I don't I don't I get why people didn't like this movie because it was a lot more just about these people's feelings and their baggage. But that's what made it yeah. different and interesting. I don't that's, that's what I, I liked about it. My concern going into it was that it was just going to be you know a big, long action sequence that lasted forever. And it was going to be all about their powers and all that. And it turned out to be all about them as characters and there was a lot of just interesting ideas in it. Like I thought like the idea that the one character is like, what they say her, I forget what they said, but she's basically going nuts. Right. And they have to decide, like, do we like wipe her memories, which will effectively cure her of her craziness, but also destroy who she is as a person. Or do we, you know, effectively do what Logan was doing with professor X in, in that movie. And just, we're just going to keep her apart and keep her so that she can't hurt anybody. And we'll just have to watch out for her forever. And they decide to do that. Like that's an interesting thing to do in your superhero movie. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff was kind of interesting. A lot of, 
the idea that like these characters like dated and broke up, but they're still Eternals and they're still on the same planet for the next 7,000 years or whatever is it's vaguely interesting. You look at that and go, okay, there's like interpersonal relationships going on here. You have the, the kid who has the same problem basically that the, the guy from near dark has where it's like, well, it's all my kid. I've been a kid for thousands of years. Kind of want to grow up and be a normal person now. <laughs> Don't get to. I liked I liked their quote fingers turning her human at the end. Yeah. You know why they did that, right? No. Because the actress is going to age. Because the actress is going to age. So they had to find a way to justify it. (laughs) Yeah. So the question is, are they going to find a way to give her like back her eternal power for the next movie? Or what do they do? I don't know. Because if she's just human now, kind of useless in the next movie. It oh, seems man. like I've been hearing rumblings. There may not be another next movie <laughs> that even the uh, director said that she didn't think this was a, uh, like a movie that would end up getting a sequel to it. I mean, I can imagine that there isn't going to be an Eternals two, and it's just going to be those characters might show up in other stuff. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, I the, the two things I'm most excited about this movie, unfortunately, have nothing to do with this fucking movie. And that's yeah. I love Black Knight. I love that character so fucking much. Yeah. And I was I was disappointed that he didn't get as much screen time as I thought he was going to seeing how. Well, the fact that. OK, Kit so like, I, I don't know much about a big deal. I don't I don't know that much about Black Knight, but I got to say, talk about forcing a character into a movie. Like we want to introduce Black Knight. <laughs> and so you just have him be the boyfriend and have the line of dialogue of like, but I have a secret too. And then cut to post credit sequence where it's revealed. It's like, oh, it's pretty corny, man. Like it was essentially the same way they tried to bring like Black Panther into Civil War, except if Black Panther had just gone, guys, guys, I'm also a superhero and then not been involved at the final fight. <laughs> well, if I remember right, him, him and uh, Cersei are dating in the comics, but. Or at least did at some point. It's, yeah. uh, maybe, but that's well. I don't know. I, well, one it, of the it's funny pretty things cheesy in the movie is I don't the character of Cersei. I almost feel like she's a fucking idiot because every time he keeps talking to her, like he knows so much, right? Because obviously sprites told him a bunch of stuff and all that, but he also knows other stuff, and he doesn't seem to be phased by any of it ever. And she doesn't find that the least bit interesting. I, I just want to be like, you don't, you don't maybe find that weird that, that he thinks you're a magician and thinks that that's just a normal thing that could happen. Like, you know, you don't find that odd. Well, <laughs> but he name drops that there are known people with powers in this world. Right. Right. So Dr. He Strange says, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So he says like, our, you a wizard like Doctor Strange? Like he knows something's weird about her, but he also knows that there are superpowered people in this universe, and he's asking her if she is one. So he suspects, right? And I guess yeah. in a, in a world where if you knew superpowered people existed, and somebody was like showed up somewhere, and you're like, you got here awfully fast. Do you have super speed, or like, but, am I just overestimating what how long the traffic would have held you up? Like one or the one of those two things is be, happening. You would still be excited or something 
which that's not how he reacts. He's just deadpan. He's like, are you a wizard? Can you turn me into something? That would be pretty cool. But yeah. Yeah. The fact that like they're, they're casually working in the fact that he clearly is aware of supernatural stuff (laughs) going on. It is familiar with it enough that it doesn't bother. But I think the idea that they're going for, and I don't think it was like, it didn't bother me when I watched the movie. I kind of see your point, but it just didn't bother me. They're going for, in this world, everybody knows that the supernatural stuff exists. So, and I mean, at this point, they've established so many fucking heroes in this universe. And if the whole world knows about Thanos and everything else that went on, well, is it really that far fetched that somebody you know just turns out to be a superhero? Not really. Like, there's hundreds of them spread out throughout the world. Yeah. But yeah. So, Black Knight. And Pip the Troll! Pip the fucking Troll! <laughs> I was pretty excited was, about Pip the Troll. I, I do not know who Pip is, but I am also excited about it. Because <laughs> he was awesome. <laughs> I'm just mad uh, that Warwick Davis couldn't play him. We're so close to getting the entirety of uh, Infinity Watch together, but not quite there yet. Pip the Troll! <laughs> <laughs> and... Pat Oswalt's got to be setting some kind of fucking record now. No, because that dude's deep in the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, he likes to he likes to just throw his voice out. Like, yeah, I'll voice whatever you need. Don't worry about it. No, I am a little confused about they they fucked up some terminology at one point in the movie, and now I don't know what's going on, and I don't know if it was just an oversight or if they changed their mind on something. It, at one point, when they're on the ship. Uh, Athena picks up that sword and they they call it the Ebony Blade. Well, she asks if it's the Ebony Blade or Excalibur, and she says it's Excalibur. Oh, is that what she says? I thought she yeah. says, oh, it's the Ebony Blade, and then they say something about Excalibur. No, yeah, I think she's and, asking if And I was like, they're conflating that. No, yeah, I think she's asking if it's one or the other. And when she okay. confirms, she's like, well, Arthur always did have something for you. Okay. So I did, I did mishear that, which yeah. is good because I was like, cause that, the sword, the sword that he's going to touch at the end of the movie, that's the Ebony blade. Yeah. Which, uh, the video, sources now. the video I watched is wondering if they're going to conflate that with, uh, or con- eh, that's not really the right word. If they're going to use that to bring in like vampires since Dracula, well, Dracula used to possess the Ebony blade. Possibly. But, okay, so there, there's a voice off screen in yeah. that scene when he picks up the sword. Somebody talks to him. That's Blade speaking to him. Marvel has confirmed that. Oh, Marvel has confirmed it. Right. Yeah. So oh, is that, that is, right? Was that, that is, is the is, act, is that... the actor? Yeah, it's the actor that they've hired to play Blade, and they've confirmed like, yeah, he's in character as Blade saying oh. it. So oh, that, apparently, I, th- I think that increases the odds of my me getting a midnight suns movie and I really fucking want that. <laughs> so, yeah, I was going to say, cause it could be like five different people. I'll be honest. I didn't think, Bla- I didn't even put blade in that list in my head for some reason, but that makes sense. I'm, I'm so far from it that I never even bothered to try to guess who it was. Well, it could so, have been per- Sir Percy. I just came straight home and Googled it. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been Sir Percy, the original Black Knight. It could have been Merlin. It could have been Mark Spector. It could have been. Yeah, the video I watched surmised that it was it could have been Blade and that they're going to use this as the uh, sort of door to open up to the vampire stuff. So that turns out that's right. 
And it also, so once again, getting deep into that nerd shit uh, with them bringing Venom over into the main Marvel universe in one way or another. Uh, I, my guess is that they're wanting to do the symbiote war with Null and all that shit. And the Black Blade has a lot to do with Null, too. Yeah, that's what the video said as well. Yeah. But it's it's real cool. Doug, you, you might appreciate this. So, so the whole thing with Black Knight's character is that... So the sword is cursed... And but it's super powerful, so he can with with the sword, it can cut through any object as long as he's using it to defend himself, which is a really weird rule. But so if somebody kinda throws like the it. Empire, yeah, so if somebody throws the Empire State Building at you, you can cut the Empire State Building in half, which is weird. Uh, that it can deflect any magical attack because it's immune to magic, and therefore its wielder is immune to magic. Also cool. But it's supposed to have a curse on it that it slowly causes the wielder to be consumed with bloodlust. And if he starts killing people with the the blade, I do believe it eventually will turn you into a statue, like turns you to stone. But there's this whole history of there's been a whole lot of Black Knights over the years, and they all kind of go crazy. And they're all members of the same family, which is why they were talking about that ring with the crest on it and stuff. And yeah. in the comics, one of the most interesting parts of the character is eventually he loses the black blade. But he's still kind of going psycho. And eventually he finds out that 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 part of the curse has never been real. And it's okay. just his, his his family just has mental illness. They all just snap. And so that's it. They, there's no justification right. for it. He's just crazy, which is makes his character even more interesting. Yeah, I like all that. Yeah. And that's eventually funny. he goes to space and fights with a lightsaber, too. That's pretty dope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, they're all, they're all owned by the same company now. We can make this officially happen. Yeah, I do believe they called it the photon sword. But it's it's a fucking thing. <laughs> That's just funny. I actually kind of was really into the stuff in space. It's it's real dope. Oh, and then at the end, oh, yeah. I really thought so when Pip showed up and started making his royal pronouncement before he said brother of Thanos, I really thought it was going to be Warlock. I was wondering, I'm like, are they literally just going to blow this because they just announced well, that's will whatever it's going to be. In yeah, that's what I was thinking. Story. I was like, that's that's why they leaked that actor, because they knew it was getting ready to be revealed anyway. Yeah. But no, it's Eros, which still a cool character. But yeah. So once that last post credit scene was over with the Black Knight, a bunch of people in my theater were like, what? What is this? To... I'm confused. I don't get it. And so I was just like, well, the character's called Black Knight in the comics. He uses his sword, whatever. Just kind of gave a just a real quick. I wasn't, you know, going to hold a conference You're, just, you're just holding court in your movie theater? Yeah. <laughs> just as people are walking by, like the person that was like, I'm confused. And she's just like, oh. Friend. Let me explain <laughs> this to you. No, because I don't even know it like super well like Noah does. Um, yeah, it's real weird and complicated. Yeah. Uh, but so I started to explain, I'm like, well, he's a thing and he uses a sword and whatever. And she's like, okay, so he's not like an eternal or anything. I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, that's all I needed. 
I just didn't know kind of what that was. And I'm like, yeah, no, he's got his own powers. It's something different. And then as she turned to walk away, I looked up and realized she was wearing a women for Trump hat. And I should have just been like, oh, go fucking read a book or something if you know how to. But I didn't because I didn't. It was too late. She was already walking away. Yeah, I was going to say the Arthur Arthur stuff gets real weird. So in in Marvel, King Arthur and Mordred and what the fuck are you doing, cat? Stop. (laughs) But uh, they all exist. And in order for that to make sense in the world, there's another dimension called Otherworld. It's a classy name. Yes, where all of that stuff happens. So there's this dimension just off to the side of the real world that very much represents England. (laughs) Uh, And that's also where... uh, uh, Captain Britain gets his powers because he has it, it's something like Merlin gave him a choice between taking the uh, I can't remember what it is, an amulet that does something and and a sword. And he picks the amulet instead of the sword. And then the sword's supposed to kind of be the, uh, the ebony blade, which ends up in the hands of the Black Knight and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's all kind of interconnected. Yeah, I'm sure it'll all be explained eventually. Yeah. Or just dropped and never explained again. That's fine. I don't know. I, I hope so because I really like Captain Britain too. He's a good character. It doesn't seem like they want to stop making movies and they just keep expanding out. So, yeah, I just I'm feeling like they don't have a solid direction they're going in. Like at least with it like, feels to me like they're going in multiple directions. That's yeah, how I there feel. Is, which is, is that I guess. Like, well, they did kind and, of and, announce uh, that they were splitting it in half. That there's going to be a cosmic threat and then a threat to Earth. Yeah, and I'm kind of down with that. I'm kind of like kind of like the idea of having things going on out in outer space and then things going on down on Earth that are a little more grounded and guys with swords and shit, right? Sure. I just feel like the first run, see how it goes. First, first run of movies is like okay, we're building all these movies. We're building up to the Avengers movie. It's like all right, cool. Yeah. Then at the end of the Avengers, the post credit scene is like, oh, Thanos. So now everything's be building up to that. And ever since. Uh, I was going to say, but then it took 10 years for that to happen. Yeah, I know. It did take a long time. But I feel like we at least knew we were getting somewhere. It's just right now, I feel like I just I have no idea where we're going. I mean, we got but, Kang, Kanga coming. Yeah. yeah. And keep in mind that like. You know, we were dealing with things like Captain America Winter Soldier and all that leading up to the Thanos thing, which had nothing to really do with it. It was just a cool yeah. story. And, you know, you, you still get good movies that way. And it sure. puts the, ends up putting the characters where they need to be to tell the bigger story. Yeah. I was going to say, and I, they might be in a weird roundabout way setting up Galactus, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Because in the in the newer comics, they you know because they always try to go back add add shit that doesn't make sense and then uh, post hoc justify it. So whenever all this celestial shit came out about the celestials putting their egg babies in planets and killing them, they kind of reverse engineered that and then all of a sudden started saying, oh, and that's and that's one of the reasons why Galactus exists. You see, because he goes 
from planet to planets, also destroying planets, keeping sentient life from ever forming, and therefore stopping the overpopulation of the celestials, because eventually they would overpopulate and destroy all the planets. Oh. But that's dumb. I, well, I, prefer, I just prefer <laughs> the fact that he got that hunger. I find it interesting that this Earth now has a giant marble celestial half sticking out of it. <laughs> all right. So... Have you guys heard theories that somehow this whole event in, at the end of Eternals with the, the Celestial trying to be born and not quite being born could have sent out cosmic rays and could somehow result in X-Men? And does anybody have any explanation that would make more sense than what I just said? Because <laughs> I've heard this theory a couple of times and I'm like, I don't understand how that giant statue is going to cause X-Men, but... I well, we know they're coming eventually. There are credible rumors that Charles Xavier is going to be in Multiverse of Madness, in which okay. that makes that makes a little bit of sense. If if Illuminati is coming and that rumor seems to be pretty solid is that that's what they're setting. So you would need Dr. Strange and Professor X somehow getting to know each other. Yeah, but you need Iron Man too, and we don't have Iron Man anymore. Let's yeah, but he could just Southern be Iron AI. I don't know. Seems like one of the videos I watched because I don't, I know jack shit about the Eternals. Did say something about that a lot of humans carry the celestial gene, which was what would give them powers uh, a lot like the Eternals have. Oh yeah, well Maybe. that's a, that's been a thing in Marvel for a long time. That be so. The Celestials experimented with humankind. The Kree did it. The it's it's like a whole bunch of people have come to Earth and, and jammed their magic DNA into humans, and that's why we have so many powered people yeah. on the planet. The example they used of how they could use that for X Men was that like it wasn't the radioactive spider that gave Spider Man his abilities. It's that when it bit him and injected him with whatever radioactive stuff that it activated his celestial gene. Right. So, yeah, same thing with all the people who become the Hulks whenever they get exposed to gamma. Yeah. So there may be like a built-in excuse that they've just never thought about that they'll use in the future or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm so, so everybody sound pretty positive on it, Doug. Yeah. Most positive. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was okay. I wasn't like in love with it, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not fucking winter soldier. Yeah. No. But uh, I thought, I thought it was more interesting than black widow. I thought black widow kind of was just a formulaic yeah. continuation of me. Well, and that's what I liked about this is it wasn't formulaic. It wasn't, it felt different. It felt like once again, we're trying to do something different with this than we were doing with all the other Marvel movies. It wasn't comedic or not overly comedic. It had some moments. It wasn't, it was more character driven, um, stuff like that, which I'm, I'm glad to get back to stuff like that, especially if they are going to try to establish, you know, a more, if they are going to have a cosmic version of the MCU and an earth based version of the MCU, then have the earth based version be this more grounded version that isn't over the top. Because even though these are guys are like creating magic weapons out of nowhere and they're all like these pretty gold weapons that just appear, it all still felt, I don't know, like, yeah, within the realm of 
okay, they've got these powers, but everything else feels like the real world, if that makes sense. Damn. So that's what I liked about it. I will say, unfortunately, them bringing in Icarus may have ruined their chances to do the thing that I was super excited for them to do. And that's hire, uh, what's what's his face, Henry Cavill, and have him come in and play Hyperion, which is basically one of the Marvel Supermans. They might still. They got rid of Icarus for you. They took care of that problem. Yeah, but I mean, they've got the the problem is flight laser eyes invulnerable super strength is kind of a trope. And and if you start doing those characters, everyone will go real quick and be like, why do all these characters have exactly the same power set? You touched on something else, though, that I want to ask you guys about. What is the deal with this movie name dropping DC characters? Have we seen something like that before in a Marvel movie where they actually refer directly to Superman and Batman by name? Because that's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. Maybe secretly behind the scenes, Warner Brothers and Disney are starting to rub each other's shoulders and be like, we could make amalgam movies. We could make a bajillion dollars. I don't know. Well, no, because Superman and Batman are fictional characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is super weird. Yeah, multiverse. It'll be all right. I found it very strange when when both those names got used. I'm like, uh, and not like subtly, like not like you know, you know, not not like when when they refer to the one guy as being Alfred to, to his Batman. It's not like they just said, "Oh, you're like the Alfred," so that nerds would get it. It was like flat out there. So I feel like there's a I feel like there's more to that. <laughs> I don't know what it is though. It just seems like they wouldn't do that if there wasn't more no. to it. I'm just saying, if there was anybody who could get Marvel and DC to work together on a crossover movie, it would be The Rock. He'd make it happen somehow. Yeah, probably. I was going to say, one of the things that blows my mind, so a lot of the bad reviews I've been seeing for this, everybody kept bringing up the gay couple complaint. And so I was kind of waiting for it to be like a beat you over the head thing where they just like made two of the main characters a, a gay couple and we're just on it all the time or something, you know, one of those type yeah. of things. And it's like, no, it's such a fucking normal, subtle. It's not preachy. It's not fucking weird. I just, people are psychos. It's okay. Like they made a bigger deal of Hawkeye having a family than they did. This guy having a family. Right. I feel, I feel like it was handled very well. And the fact that yeah. he just, he drops it. He's like, oh, my husband. And nobody's like, wait, you're gay? And they have to, like, explain that. It's just, no, my husband. He's like, all right, well, I mean, it's going to be fine. Calm down. I got it. Yeah. I got to admit. The fact that he was gay had no impact of, on the story. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Well, well, there weren't a whole lot of big superhero-y action sequences or anything. Man, that scene where he takes down Icarus is real good. <laughs> yeah. He's like lashing him with all those things. What's with the fucking yeah. uh, Kumail just like piecing out on the la- on the final battle? I don't see. I was kind of into that though. Once again, like you don't see a lot of depth in characters, and his character was like he just said he morally agrees with Icarus, but he's not willing to hurt any of his family to win so he just left which is kind of i don't know it's kind of great yeah 
It's kind of weird. It's super fucking weird, to be honest. But it's it's weird. But how cool is it to have a uh, like a utilitarian style character like that now in the universe? Something that we haven't seen before. How about just because there's no fucking way if you haven't read the script that you would predict that's how it would happen? You you know what I mean? Like even when it happened in the movie, I'm thinking, okay, he has a change of heart and comes back and. in my head going i don't know which side he joins when he comes back though and he doesn't and you're like all right okay i'm fine with that i guess it's just i mean at the end of the day he is the guy that used his superpowers to star in movies for hundreds of years by pretending to be his own great-grandson so So what what were we really expecting from this guy is he going to (laughs) suddenly be a hero and and that kind of makes sense right like we, if you put a group of, what was there, like 10 of them on Earth, they're not all going to be good guys. They're not all going to be bad guys. Some of them are just not going to give a fuck, really. Um, there you go. That's what happened, right? You ended up with one villain, a bunch of heroes, and a guy who went, eh, whatever. See you guys later. This doesn't seem like something I want to be involved in. I'm going to go do another dance number. And and the mind control guy who went out into the woods and uh, made a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of a rational, logical thing to do. Yeah, it's wild. I really liked I liked what they did with Druid because his, his morality is so strange where he's like, yeah, but I can just do it. <laughs> well, if I could just a, do it, why wouldn't I just do it? <laughs> it's a weird thing, though, because it's this is the debate that has existed in humanity forever, which is like if you could be a like a, a quote unquote like a noble king, if you could have a hard line rule and make everybody else live exactly like you told them to do. But then you were a genuinely good person who did that in a way that benefited everyone. Would that be okay? That's been the debate about through humanity, right? It's, and there's no right answer to it. It's like, well, you're making everybody's life better. Yeah. But you're forcing them to do things they don't want to do, but they'll all be better off for it. So how can making everybody better off be a bad thing? Well, shit. And it's complicated, right? Yeah. And I, I kind of like that they had this character who's like got the ability to do that and is like, I don't know, maybe I should. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just like, what if I could just stop all wars just by mind controlling people and making them stop? Shouldn't I save all their lives? Wouldn't that be a good thing? And it's like, how do you say no to that? Yeah. But on the other hand, how do you justify taking over the minds of everyone on Earth? That doesn't seem right either. I was I was going to say my only complaint about the movie is so the Eternals only really have one bad guy who's okay and that's Crow and they unceremoniously murdered him and did not give him anything in this movie well their bad guy is the Celestial who stole them all at the end there kidnapped half of the surviving characters right that's their bad guy for if they make a sequel, a direct sequel. Plus Crow and uh, I can't remember if it's Thena or Ajax. One or, one or the other in the comic books, they're like secretly fucking. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's really. Sure. It's did you really guys weird. think that? Did you guys think that maybe they were setting Thena up to be a villain in the future by having her? Like the typical, she goes mad and they, everyone else has to stop her type problems. Possibly. That seemed to be a, 
I, I don't I don't know enough about the source material to comment on whether anything like that is plausible, but it felt that way in the movie that because she's very, very powerful and she's gradually going mad and now she doesn't have anyone taking care of her. It's sad that they killed Gilgamesh. I really like that character. <laughs> me too. I liked him a lot. He reminded me of Wong a lot, where I'm just like, it's just this just this fun character to have those, in the back. That you, those two actors look a lot alike. Yeah. They do, yeah. That's that's part of it. I was a little concerned whenever I was watching it because I was like, ah, am I racist? Am I racist that I think <laughs> that they look that much alike? No, no, no. No, they do look a lot alike. Good, <laughs> good. So hair, that it's not just me. One has hair, and the other one's got like a buzzed head. But they have similar like facial hair too, right? Yeah, they're both kind of big, stocky guys. I think the Gilgamesh actor is obviously bigger, but they weren't standing side by side at any point in this movie. Yeah. And if you see the guy who played Wong in uh, some of his other movies where he does have hair, they do look a lot alike. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, It's it's better than what you're hearing. Go see it. If if you've listened to this because you were like, I ain't going to see that shit. I'll just listen to the review. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine anybody's listened to all this discussion with it, but isn't seeing it. But yeah, I would, I would recommend seeing it if you're on the fence. And then get ready for my Midnight Suns movie. It's coming. I know it is. Ghost Rider is going to show oh, up in Doctor Strange, and I'm going to be happy. Did I tell you guys I tried to sit through one of those Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider movies? Oh, God, they're so bad. <laughs> I, was, I was just, like, really desperate for something to watch one night, and I didn't want to watch any of the hundreds and hundreds of movies that are on my to-watch list. So I turned one on, and it was just, like, whichever one Netflix recommended. I'm just like, fine, fuck it. And then I, I couldn't do it. Listen, <laughs> they're not good, but they're not as bad as people think they are. I disagree. No, I, think, I think they're as bad as people. And I and I'm the one that defends those early 2000s superhero movies. I'll, you know, I'll point out the the good stuff about a movie like Daredevil or Punisher, but um I can't say anything positive about <laughs> Ghost Rider. Not based he, on what I've seen of it. He uses his horrible uh Conair Southern accent for it. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he talks like that. Does he think it's good or is he just having a laugh at our expense? <laughs> I don't know. I that could be. It's one of those things that proves that somebody who has a great deal of enthusiasm for a character isn't necessarily the best person to play the character. No. Well, in the interest of fairness, like Nick Cage has a great deal of enthusiasm for a lot of characters and he just kept trying to play superheroes for a while. And, you know, like, at least he wasn't Superman. That's all I could say. Yeah, but did you ever watch that documentary? Yes. What happened? The death of Superman lives or whatever? Yeah. Look, I'm just saying, you can't tell me you don't want to see that movie. Look, I'm not, I'm not even look, saying it I rubber, good, I, but. I, I, I rubberneck at car accidents on the highway like everyone yeah. else does. I'm not going to deny that, but. Thank God they didn't make that movie. <laughs> but what I'm a fucking saying, shit show that would have been. I'm just saying, if you could magically be like, look, it didn't come out back when you thought it was, but 
I'm going to hand you this DVD and it's the movie. Yeah. You would be I mean, excited in, in to the, watch it. In the same way that, yeah, I did eventually track down Roger Corman's fantastic four just as a curiosity. Yeah. Yes. I would, I would, I would watch it that way. I just, I think Mar- or Warner brothers is kind of dumb. Because they have all these like uh, like that specifically that Superman script, they they own it. They have it. They can do whatever the fuck they want with it. Mm-hmm. And there is some weird curiosity interest in that movie. Obviously, so just- obviously, we can't make a live action one. Why not just do an animated version of it? Well, bring, and- bring Nicholas Cage in. He does just about anything, so he'll obviously say yes, and it probably won't be too expensive. Oh, yeah. If, if, if Nicholas Cage's phone rings and it's fucking Warner Brothers, he's not turning that down. No. It doesn't matter. And he, but I'm saying he's not going to like bankrupt the company. Like You obviously will be able to pay him. It's fine. Just mm-hmm. make the animated version of that movie. And then next, yeah, go, grab, go grab the Kevin Smith script. Because yeah. I heard Burton pretty be, much just shredded it, so didn't use any of it in his script. And then make an animated version of that movie, too. Why not just animate all these honestly, like, like, scripts that you have? I've uh, I've read the Kevin Smith script, and it's pretty good. Like, it's, yeah. you know, despite the fact that it was heavily influenced by John Peters or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, you know, people can go watch those clips on YouTube. I don't need to tell those stories, but it's like, I've actually read the script and I really liked it. I thought it was great. It has like fucking Batman shows up in it at one point and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like that's what, that's what happens that, when you let someone who yeah. actually knows what they're doing, write A script for, even if you do put yeah. weird parameters on it. Yeah, no, I mean you have, because when you have a character like Superman and you start trying to kill him off in your movie, you when done right not when done by Zack Snyder but when done right you can use the fact that fans already have a a knowledge of these characters to your advantage and you can have a guy like Batman show up for a scene like I think in the Kevin Smith he showed up at like eulogize Superman at his funeral and it's like well that's an interesting way to have him pop in take advantage of the fact that you know audiences know these two have been friends for a long time and have an impact in your story without having to, you know, let us know who Batman is. Cause who the fuck's going to be watching a Superman movie that doesn't know who Batman is. Right. Like it's, it's just, it, it's really good. It's so easy to do when you just hire the right people, hire guys who write comic books for a living to write comic book movies. I don't know. No. It doesn't seem as far, just... it doesn't seem as complicated as they make it. It's like, no. plus who knows what the fuck DC is doing right now. Yeah, I got only knows. They yeah. nobody there knows. How are we supposed gonna, to know? I was gonna say the crazy thing is because they have three or four things coming out that I'm actually like, all right, all right, let's talk about that. And then they're like, yeah, but we're sticking with the Jason Momoa Aqua Bro, and it's like, no, god damn it. But who, the well's been poisoned. We're thinking like, about making a sequel to the Snyder Cut. No, don't no. <laughs> Who even fucking knows if they have one universe going on or multiple universes going on, though? I don't think they know the answer to that question at this point over at DC. And they're just like, it's it's really telling. If you ever read the interviews when Ben Affleck left the Batman movie, when he turned down the opportunity to write and direct it. And he said it's like they were 
the meetings with Warner Brothers. He'd go in because he wanted to talk to them about script issues and they just wanted to talk to him about budget issues. And he's like, no, like I want to get the story right. And they're like, we need a release date. And he's like, no, they're not, they don't care about making quality movies and staying true to the characters and all these other things. It's about how much money can you make for me tomorrow? Kind of Which thing. is funny because it takes him so long to fucking put out a movie. It, yeah, because yeah. because they don't have a cohesive plan, so you can't start working on the next movie when this one's not done yet. Do you know what I mean? Marvel has that advantage now because Feige's gotten so good at it, is that they can be in pre-production on 10 different movies because they know the basic storyline. They might not have every script like written to a T, but they know where everything's headed. So they're able to do that and plan ahead, and all of a sudden you can pump out a bunch of movies a year also helps that they have disney budget behind them you know what i mean like that's obviously an important factor yeah. did you guys see the uh the second morbius trailer yes i did i am super I'll nervous you, about that movie. i'll tell you what I feel I'm, like actually, I'm, I'm a little tricked. bit more excited uh it's probably I feel like they're tricking me into so. seeing a yeah but i feel like what's going to happen is they're going to trick me into thinking i'm seeing a horror movie when i get there none of it will be horror related at all and i'll be mad at it <laughs> I, 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 like, this I keep watching it movie. and they keep doing it like it. They, the trailer makes it seem like a horror movie but then every now and again there's like an action thing going on in one of the shots and I'm like but that's not an action scene from a horror movie that's from a cheesy superhero movie that I don't even want to see well but and, I think it's a cheesy superhero movie with horror elements yeah but are the is it going to have horror elements or are they going to say it has horror elements? Do you know what I mean? Like, are they going to be like, of course it has horror elements. Look, they're vampires. And I'd be like, yeah, that's not enough. Like, are they actually going to, are there going to be elements of actually making him a scary character and having him actually, you know, is there going to be real blood in this movie and things like that, that actually happen in horror movies? Or is it just going to be them? You know what I mean? Like oh, I get it. It's what I'll, I'll tell you. Say, what, you're saying a, if they make a vampire movie without a single drop of blood, I think I'd be more impressed than angry. They're like, wow, you guys really did that. No, I think I think kind of what Doug is saying though is, and I mean, I kind of like them, but I, I they're not horror movies. Is they're thinking like, oh yeah, it, it'll be like a horror movie, you know, like those underworld movies. And you're like, but those yes. aren't those aren't horror movies. Those are action movies. That's completely different. Yeah. No, but vampires, werewolves. I mean, that's horror stuff. It's like, no, it's not. That's not horror. That's 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 not what you're yeah. thinking. Yeah. Horror. That's horror theme. Themed is the word. Like, but I mean, that's like saying, uh, oh, we're having a horror party because people came in costumes, but then they're all just standing around chatting and sipping beers. And it's like, well, that's not anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> you just had a costume party. Great. And that's, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, and if they weren't making the trailers look like horror movies, I might be more interested if they did, were just being honest. But I feel like I'm being lied to. And I don't even know if that's true or not, because maybe it's a full horror movie for all I know. But... <laughs> I have no choice but to hope it's going to be good because, God damn it, I really love Morbius. Yeah. I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I don't particularly like Jared Leto. You could be hit or miss. I, I think more miss than hit, personally. But <laughs> but I do see that they are combining this with Venom and then Spider-Man. Yes, they're obviously combining so. it all together. 
I don't know what's going to happen with Spider-Man right now, but I don't. I'm very worried about where the future of this is headed. Well, I mean, the stuff I read said going forward instead of uh, Spider-Man just being out of it all. It's instead Feige is going to have more say in what Sony's doing. Yeah. Well, and there was it, which is a really good plan. That whole thing where um, that whole thing where Feige said in a press conference, like Spider-Man is the only hero that has the ability to swing back and forth between cinematic universes. Like they can use opening up these, whatever you call it, portals or whatever the term they're using between the universes to have him literally go participate in a movie over there and then come on back. Right. Like you could do that. Um, but I don't know how many times you can do that. Like, can't just be swinging back and forth constantly. <laughs> well, it seems like from what I heard, they've more made the deal that Sony's stuff is going to be more connected to the Marvel stuff than it has in the past. So by yeah. bringing, by bringing Venom over and whatever that post credit scene that he's now exists in the Marvel universe. It looks like this Morbius thing might be taking place in the Marvel universe. Right. If Morbius, be doing, I, the crazy I thing li- is how interconnected Morbius is to Spider-Man in the comic books. And that's so hard to explain to people. They're like, yeah, but it's a vampire character. And you're like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. Like if he bites, if he gets some of that sweet, sweet spider blood. He doesn't have the hunger for a little while. I'm very concerned that if they directly connect, like with what happened at the end of Venom 2, apparently, not that I've actually seen it, um, I I feel like this could be the end of it all. This could literally be the downfall of the MCU. And the whole thing could just collapse under itself by allowing Sony to be involved. I'd almost rather they just, you know, killed off Spider-Man and moved on without him. <laughs> as much as I love Tom Holland, as I, I I I said this a long time ago, I would just pull Tom Holland aside and say, "I know you like being Spider Man, and everybody thinks you're a great Spider Man. Nobody's arguing that point. How would you like to star in a trilogy of Star Wars movies, though? An entire trilogy of Star Wars movies. You're already Spider Man, and now you get to do that. All you have to do is sign a non compete clause that you're not going to go be Spider Man anywhere else. We're going to call you Little Pip Skywalker." You're the you're the like, son they didn't know they had. That's what I would that's what I would have fucking done by now. I would have said you you just you just make a little deal with us. We got it all in writing here that you're not gonna go play Spider Man for anybody else and we'll give you a career. We know like it's not like he can't carry a, a movie. Like I'm not worried that if they gave him a Star Wars trilogy that he wouldn't be able to do it. So what's the problem? And then you just solve that problem. And then you go, go ahead, Sony. Go ahead, Sony. You guys want to you guys want to try making your own little Spider-Man movies over there? Keep trying. Keep losing money on the most popular character in the world and see how that goes for you. Depending on what the contract says, I think it will all be fine. If if Feige has veto power over Sony on like story decisions, then I think it'll be fine. He's he's know. held this shit. To, he's held together a huge, complicated mess of shit. And I think having one more group of directors for him to look at and go, 
no, we're doing this thing because it's fun and people actually want to see that instead of whatever this shit is that you're doing. Yeah, yeah. we can only help. You remember when you made the lizard look like a Goomba from Mario? <laughs> we're not doing that. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, we're uh, rambling now. I'll, End of show. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.